Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Ready Eddy Podcast, episode number 225. I'm your host, Matt Delaboto, and today we have Caitlin Stout, co-founder of Stout Tent, as our guest. Stout Tent was founded by Caitlin Stout and her spouse and co-founder, Jim Stout. They really have built this brand from scratch, from the ground up. How they got the start is particularly interesting. It really did just come from a yearning of wanting to get back to something more simple. They come from a banking background, both of them. They wanted to start a business that can get them a little bit closer to nature. And with Jim's past career experience, it made a lot of sense for them to gravitate towards tents. I won't get into too much detail. You'll get all of that in the episode. Even though they did have an interesting start, I would say that once the brand actually got going, that process of building it really did become even more captivating. In this episode, Caitlin walks us through a lot of the operational logistics that went into building Stout Tent, some of the nuances of moving really large product across country, how to manage the balance between a business that offers rental products, and how to take the plunge and just dive into whatever it is, whatever kind of business you want to get into. It's something that's mentioned a lot of on here, and I think that Caitlin puts it in the most concise and really most poignant way that there is a plunge. But I don't want to spoil too much of the episode. And with that, let's get into it. Oh, and before we begin, just wanted to say, if you can, leave a review. Let us know what you think of the episode. Let us know what you think about the podcast. I'm always open to feedback. Just shoot me an email at matt at readyyeti.com. I would love to hear from you guys. If there are any questions or anything that you if there are any questions or anything that you'd want me to ask some of the guests that we have on here, I'd really appreciate that. As much as we do love putting together this show, we do want you to be a part of it. So if there is something that you'd want to get more so out of these interviews, these conversations with the guests we have on, don't be shy. But enough about that. Here is Caitlin Stout, co-founder of Stout Tent. Three, two, one. Caitlin, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So to start it off, uh, who are you? Who is Caitlin Stout? So um, I am um, a mom to four little girls, married to a wonderful veteran named Jim Stout, living up in rural Vermont, uh, selling tents and uh, trying to get in as much skiing as I can during the year. Oh, yeah, we just had, I don't know if, you're, I'm in Vermont as well, as I mentioned uh, before, but I, I don't know if you're getting the same snow we are, but it is looking good. It's looking good. I know. I think we have some Nordic skiing within the next, I don't know, hopefully a few weeks here, at least a little bit. Oh yeah. Got to keep it up. So what is Stout Tent? So Stout Tent um, is a canvas tent company and uh, it was founded by my husband and I, and we sell canvas camping tents as well as do rentals and events with them. What's your background in? How did you and your husband get into Stout Tent? So Jim and I um, met at a bank where we both worked in IT. We both have an engineering background. I was doing capacity planning engineering and Jim was a data backups guy. 
and we saved up all of our vacation time so that we could go do things like camp with our kids. And our twins were born, they're eight now, so about you know, seven years ago, we had this like realization that um, we weren't really living, you know, we were just living for these vacations and weekends and sitting in cubes the rest of the time. And we really decided that we wanted to make an effort to sort of blend, blend our worlds. So I left Schwab and we started Stout Tent and um, Jim has a um, background in, he was an army veteran. He sewed parachutes for seven years at Fort Bragg and manufacturing easily to him as well as design tweaks and manufacturing. So uh, we sort of went back a few steps to, to go forward. So I went back to like our original roots of just loving the outdoors and him sewing and, and left the corporate world behind. That's a pretty wild jump. It's kind of cool that you guys actually, you know, you're doing a completely in a completely different industry, a completely different environment. And you recognize like, you know what, this is almost a little too much. Let's let's get back to something simple. So we've made a lot of um, efforts personally and professionally to just sort of keep like take things back, you know, and the canvas is sort of another example of kind of leaning back into the past canvas was you know, the primary camping tent material for a really long time. And um, then the synthetic all started popping up, which is what a lot of us camped with. And lightweight was the name of the game. But we found a lot of value in going back to the canvas roots with um, now like all of the great technology that exists. We can really do a much better job with like waterproofing and um, the durability is still there. And um yeah, so it's a fun way of sort of um, the same theme of like getting back to your roots in a canvas tent. It feels really nice to camp in something and to that's simple and organic and, um, you know, back to the old days. How did you develop your products? What testing went into uh, the creation of your tents? What does that process look like? We refer to our stout tent as a bell tent, um, which the design was reaches back to the 1800s. And U.S. Army officer named um, Henry Sibley created the Sibley tent, which is basically the bell tent design, um, but without sidewalls. And they would actually the soldiers would like dig down deep and create like a little trench and put the tent on top. So it still had the sidewall effect, but they just dug it down. It was easy for them to move around in the field, and he patented that design back in the 1800s, and then um, he went on to fight for the South, so he lost his patent, and the design was picked up by the British military later. So the design itself has been around and, you know, leans on indigenous design. A lot of that work that we've done um, was based off of sort of evaluating what currently existed in the teepee and Sibley tent market and making sure that we address some of the challenges that we saw. Um, so like Jim was quick to notice that like, you know, we weren't seeing a lot of double stitching of seams back then or box stitches on all of the canvas loops. Um, little things like tent grommets being, you know, teeny tiny and you couldn't use big heavy duty stakes for them. So, um, you know, when we set 
out manufacturing our tent, it was really important to us that, um, you know, we felt this wave of that glamping trend oncoming, but we really wanted to lean in to the quality side and make sure that, you know, we were set up for hardcore outdoor enthusiasts as well, um, which has made it, you know, that's like translated well across all different industries that use our tents because, um, you know, sometimes people without the outdoors experience really need the extra durability. Um, you know, making a few mistakes on a fragile tent and you could be out your investment, but um, you know, these things can really take a beating. So it's been iterations of small changes all along the way. You know, we started to realize um, at one point that we wanted more ventilation. Um, so, but we didn't want bugs to get in. So we created this 360 bug wall that goes all the way around the bottom. Um, we've made adjustments over the years to our stove jack so that we're constantly uh, making sure that it fits the, the best stoves for the space and um, it's nice and easy for our clients to work with. Um, we've worked, we also expanded to a lot of different canvas lines. So um, most tents, canvas tents are, you know, typically like the wall tents that we see, like for elk hunting, you're looking at a pretty heavy, like it could be a 13 ounce canvas. And you're talking about a 300 pound tent plus a frame, hours to put up. But we wanted to find something that had the durability of the army duck canvas, but was lighter and easier to work with, with the bell tent. Um, and so we, um, purchased the Sunforger canvas, which is like the best treatment that you can get. It's all done in the U.S. and Georgia. And um, we have a 10-10 ounce. So it's like a little bit lighter than what you would typically see in a wall tent, but it's the same quality and material, just lighter weight. So it goes up really easy and fast. So those are all just like examples of things that we've done from a design and engineering perspective to make sure that we really have a robust, flexible tent. And you guys really talk about uh, taking something, pulling it apart and putting it back together. That's, it's really cool how you can focus on these really, really tiny pieces and shape it, especially the 360. Um, bug net. Yeah, bug net. Sorry. Thank you. No, it's wonderful. It really does add ventilation. A lot of times we don't drop the canvas walls, even when it's cold. Sometimes it's nice to have, you know, I don't know a little bit of, even with the heater or the stove going, it's nice yeah. to have those open. I mean, I'm personally, I, I run hot when I sleep. So this is like a godsend for me. This is like up my alley and I know I'm not the only one. So I, this, it makes sense. I mean, how many times are you in a tent and you are kind of trapped with, you know, just the heat and have to face, all right, do I want bugs in my tent or do I want to sleep comfortably? Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of the canvas too. You know, um, we've spent nights in really expensive, high quality synthetic tents where we still had issues with condensation, which is oh, so yeah. gross when you're sleeping, you have stuff dripping on you. Um, but that's not something that happens in canvas tents. So when you're in an environment like Vermont, where you could have really hot, humid days, really cold nights, you could have snow or rain, high winds. Like it's nice to be in something that is really flexible for all of those um, different setups. You know, I think the, the only environment it's not best for is uh, backpacking. It's definitely not a backpacker's tent, but otherwise it's a great base camp. 
You guys offer both tents for uh, retail to purchase and to rent. What are yeah. some of the challenges of managing both the retail and rental side of Stout Tent? Well, you know, we've had sort of, um, it's basically well, like we started two businesses at once, which was, you know, always challenging. Um, you're kind of pushing one car forward and then pushing the other car forward and doing this like um, a little bit of a, back and forth dance between the two with your own resources and time and energy. But it's really provided us with like a super solid perspective that goes into our product. So um, we camp and our team camps like hundreds of nights a year in our tents and all, all across the country. We've even set up in Hawaii. So nice. um yeah, that was a fun one. But anyways, yeah, we just, and we set up thousands of them at times, right? So like, you know, most of our events are probably around a hundred tents, but we do have some bigger music festivals like Bonnaroo, Electric Forest, where we're setting up, you know, you know, a few thousand units. So you, you just can't have a product that is going to let you down, you know? So if there's ever something that we feel like isn't working um, or needs to be addressed, we we do it because otherwise it would affect us and our other business on a huge scale. Um, and so having that experience um, has really strengthened our retail side. And it's also, um, you know, Jim sews and does customizations and maintenance in our shop, in our barn here in Vermont. And um, that's a big deal too, you know, from the, you know, for, for the rental perspective, we can't have tents down for maintenance. It's, you know, we're losing time and money and dollars. So um, being able to like really be good and efficient at repairs and making sure that from the design perspective, we're not, you know, we're making sure to like do whatever we can to minimize the amount of maintenance that we have to do. Um, and also just gives us a huge appreciation for the product. Like, you know, sleeping in the tent and hearing the rain on the roof and being able to relax and, you know, see beautiful sunsets from the doorway. Um, the way that the smoke curls out of the stove pipe out the top of the tent. Like, these are all things that if you're not using your product, you don't get to like enjoy. And it reminds you of why you're doing what you're doing, you know, on the hard days of owning a business. So, um, yeah, while it's been definitely challenging to run, you know, a business that has such diverse multiple arms, it's really, um, I think, you know, been a huge leg up for us in terms of creating a great product. I, I would imagine that you also get a huge advantage from just being able to get feedback. I mean, since people can kind of try it out and I'd imagine that they've tried out other tents in the past, if they're, they're renting, um, do you get like a lot of people being like, Hey, like maybe this would be cool or, you know, get a lot of uh, customer feedback there. Yeah, we do. And in general, our clients are always, and customers are always, um, you know, we spend hours on the phone with our customers. So just talking through all sorts of different um, applications. So, you know, right now we do a lot of um, business to business sales. So um, I think we have over 250 wholesale clients in the U.S. that are all using these 
to start their own businesses. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, they might have an application like, okay, we need to use this. We had this guy that was setting, he's setting up a glamping resort in Vietnam and where he's setting the tents, they have um, seasonal flooding, like seven to eight feet. So we were troubleshooting um, these like decks on stilts and how best to set the tents up on these decks on stilts so that, you know, he could be successful and, um, obviously that means lots of humidity. So what sort of mitigation does he need to take to make sure that, you know, the canvas stays in tip top shape and, um, yeah, we get tons of feedback, uh, at events and, and also, you know, just from our customers in general, but yeah, at events we're, we're seeing, um, a lot of people sort of being inspired to bring them back and add them to their own sort of their own flair and do kind of their own setup with them, whether it's like a, individual adding one tent in their field for an Airbnb or on their rooftop in LA or New York. Um, we have Alaskan guides using them for tours and um, have even shipped some as relief tents um, to third world countries. So yeah, it's been, it's, it's, we get so much variety. You know, we always say like, we don't have to have a bunch of different types of tent models because we get this variety all just from, you know, doing a basic shape really well. Yeah. Wow. I, I would not imagine that people in New York and LA are, are putting up tents on the rooftop. It makes sense. I mean, I get it because, you know, you want to be able to enjoy it year round when it's raining. Yeah. They set them <laughs> up and put couches and expensive rugs inside. Oh and yeah. It's a trip. Yeah. Jim and I don't camp quite like that. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, yeah, that's, that seems like, it, uh, you know, you're just trying to bring the inside outside. I, I yeah. Don't know. yeah. That's yeah. so funny. Um, how do you, man- how do you manage storage for such large products? Do you have like a, you kind of make as they're ordered or is it? Yeah. So, um, we, we have a, we work with a fulfillment warehouse now that stores our product. Um, we started working with them about six months ago. But prior to that, we just, we had um, a warehouse that we worked out of in Arizona. And then on the East coast, we have a giant barn and, um, was helpful. yeah, I know. it's like our, our requirements when we're looking at properties is how is the storage? Um, and we have, you know, additional like storage units all, um, on the property too. So, uh, it's, we're pretty lucky being in the two environments that we store tents in. So um, for events, we have storage mainly in Arizona and Vermont. We have a couple of little pop-up storage units in Tennessee and Oregon so that we can, we, since we do nationwide events, we can sort of pick from all of those different pots, but um, we store the tents in off season, which is typically, you know, like November through March and in Vermont, it's freezing. So we don't have to worry about like mold growth or any of the, the things that, you know, when you're storing thousands of canvas tents, you'd have to worry about. And in Arizona, it's so dry that we don't have those problems. So we actually have quite a few large glamping, you know, clients who have um, like retreats and properties with multiple tents ship us their tents during off season. And, um, before it snows, we get them cleaned up and, um, do any maintenance that might need to be done and then store them and palletize them and store them for them so that they don't even have to store them in there. Like 
you know, humid locations and yeah. over off season. Um, how do you manage the logistics of shipping? Yeah, we've done that from the beginning. I think, um, you know, when we were originally, we mostly did West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started partnering more and more with an East Coast tent company who we ended up acquiring last fall. Um, but uh, logistics, I mean, we have we have a uh, a pretty solid crew. They've most of, most everyone in our office has been with us since the beginning. And, um, you know, if you ever hear of anyone who's looking to camp for a living, this is where you send them. They, um, are pretty, they, you know, pack up the tents at the warehouses, uh, load them in big trucks, drive them and camp on the road and then get to the site, set up camping tents, camp on site. And, um, and then, you know, drive to the next, the next show. Um, so we have um, someone named Lindsay Williams working for us, who's um, just got back from the Rebel Rally, which is just a really, really cool woman's off-roading event. Um, and she, yeah, she camped alone in the desert between California, Nevada, Arizona, and Utah for a couple weeks. And when she got back, we asked her, she brought her dog. We asked her, you know, like, were you lonely? You were all by yourself all this time. And she, she was like, Nope, she loved it. She loved every second of it. So, um, that's just an example of the kind of people that we're so lucky to get to work with. How has, uh, COVID affected your business if at all? Yeah. Um, unfortunately it has, we had quite a lot of event cancellations last year all of the big music festivals postponed and, you know, it was such a tricky, no one going into it could have ever anticipated that it would last so long. I think we were all sort of thinking, okay, we're just postponing until the fall. And then when the fall hit, you know, got closer, we knew right away, like, okay, a lot, you know, gathering hundreds of thousands of people together wasn't something that was going to happen. So, um, things are looking brighter for next year on the event horizon. And um, we're fortunate to work with, you know, really big, strong events like NASCAR and um, Ryder Cup that we know, you know, will definitely be back. Um, So yeah, we're just kind of hanging in. And then conversely on the retail side, you know, there's been, I'm sure you've heard just uh, incredible unanticipated demand for retail products. yeah, so that's been just a really fun ride, and uh, we've been able to spend a lot of time this summer where we would usually be camp, you know, out camping with work. We've been able to take the kids out, so you know, there's a silver lining. Um, my dad and I brought our three oldest, my three oldest daughters, Gemini's three oldest daughters, um, on a trip where we had to boat to this site and set up our tent and. Um, we had a great time and that was something where, you know, we don't usually get to take advantage of um, the Vermont summers. We would have uh, been probably in Tennessee or Ohio or something at that point. So it's been, it's had some special moments and fun, fun curves, but overall we're, we're anxious for things to return to normal, hopefully in, I guess, mid to late 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's, it's kind of interesting what, COVID has done to the outdoor industry. It feels like, I mean, obviously with rentals, um, you know, there is that, the, the major hit from festivals and gatherings, but it, it seems like as a whole, it's gotten 
everyone looking outside being like, oh, like that there is things to do outside of, you know, hanging in inside or going to the movies or going to a bar or things like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I would imagine that your rental, um, just the how many people renting from you next year will boom because they're like, you know what, we should plan something. It's not, I mean, things aren't going to change overnight. It's going to be a slow, steady, um, you know, race to get back to normal. So in the meantime, I feel like, you know, people are going outside. Yeah, we're anticipating that as well. And I think, I also think a big part of the COVID thing has been the working from home shift because like, I know it's, you know, a reason that a lot of us get into our own businesses is so that we have that flexibility to just, you know, on your lunch break, go mountain biking, you know, like things that you couldn't do during like a normal structured corporate work day, or you could do, but are a little bit more challenging. So I think, um, yeah, more people are just turning towards, you know, they're forgetting the Europe trips and being like, let's go see the Grand Canyon or Zion. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a definitely an exciting time for our industry. And I think it's, um, you know, as long as we're all sort of like the campgrounds are booked, right? Which for those of us who have been longtime campers is sort of annoying. (laughs) Oh, there's so many people here. But um, I think overall, it's a good trend. I think that increasing people's involvement in outdoor activities um, is great for local rural communities in the area, um, supporting all of those businesses. And we've definitely seen that it's so great for our kids and health in general. So um, yeah, we're pretty excited about that, about that shift. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Uh, what has the growth been like since you officially launched Stout Tent in 2013? It's been pretty crazy. Um, you know, Jim and I started this business with, um, a $6,000, like our $6,000 savings nest egg. And, um, it's a multi-million dollar business now. So, uh, you know, in the last seven years, I don't know what that percentage of growth is, but it's, it's been pretty insane. Yeah. I mean, and it, it seems like it's only going to get better and better. I mean, like we just talked about, you know, people will always want to get outside. Yeah, definitely. We've for sure seen the growth in the industry also on the wholesale side. So um, most of the people in the glamping space, if they're doing like pop-up events or, um, you know, guiding tours or whatever are, are choosing to use our products um, primarily because I think of, you know, the quality, the five-year warranty and our ability to handle customizations and maintenance. Um, but it's been fun to see those, those smaller companies really start up and grow too. Um, you know, there were just a few people originally doing these rentals and now like, you know, we're seeing lots of regional development, which has been so fun. We have pretty good relationship with our um, wholesale clients. So we are able to like refer events to one another and um, we do a lot of white labeling. So if, you know, someone has, you know, 20 tents and they need a hundred more as backup, we're happy to come set those up under them. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think you're right. As far as anticipating the growth of the industry, I think, um, most projections are now thinking that um, glamping is going to be, uh, you know, a pretty big thing for the next 10 years. So it's an exciting time to get in. Uh, what has been the hardest part about starting Stout Tent? That's a good question. Um, 
We've had quite a few different hurdles. Um, you know, I think initially really finding the right canvas was a big challenge. Um, we have a, a horror story of one of our first events that I could share with you if you wanted to hear it, but. Um, Please, by all means, Okay, if you're willing. So, yeah, our first event, we, um, we were not planning to be an event company uh, and we just did individual rentals so that people could try the product out before uh, actually buying it because it's a big purchase. Um, and we got a call from an organization that wanted to do an event, an overnight event um, at a zoo in California. And uh, they said, hey, we want to rent 37 tents with, you know, four mattresses in each and all the bedding and all the lanterns. And we want you to come set it up for us. And um, we were pretty surprised, but feeling like we had, you know, sort of had the inkling that these types of requests would be, you know, something that we'd be hearing more often. So we decided to like reinvest the profit we had made <laughs> and into, into doing events. And at that point we were still getting most of our canvas from overseas and we didn't have the control. We were still, it was, you know, our first year or two and we still had really like an immature grasp on, um, you know, that part of the supply chain, we were just buying canvas that was already treated versus now we're like picking the canvas raw and then having the treatment applied and we have a lot more control over it. Back then we bought treated canvas and um, it was from China and uh, we set up, we built these tents for this event and we went out to go start setting up these tents and on the road I started getting these calls somebody said, Hey, I'm in my tent and it's leaking on me. And I was like, well, that's really weird. We never have tents leak. And, um, it turns out that the, like, luckily this was a small batch and in the beginning, but we had, um, just the canvas wasn't good enough. And at a certain, at dew point, the canvas would like leach out the waterproofing chemical. So it would appear like condensation on the inside. So our first event, we had all friends and family working for us. We drive this, all this, you know, line of like eight box trucks to this event, just like did everything wrong, you know, and we drove, it took us so much longer than we expected because we hit traffic in LA and we rolled in at like 11 o'clock at night and got right to work setting up these tents. And then, you know, put together what had happened with the canvas, like shortly after, um, and we had told, we had told our client like, Hey, we're getting these, like sort this feedback and this is not normal feedback. And we want to be honest and upfront with you that we might have, you know, a product malfunction on our hands. And, you know, we have, we bought these tents as backup. We had like a synthetic camping tents as backup that we had to buy to set up this event. So anyways, we set up all of these events. We got finished at like four in the morning and nothing happened to the canvas. So we went to bed, we were feeling really good about things. And then someone woke up and said, Caitlin, I think it's happening at like six or seven in the morning. Oh, no. And we had to tear all the tents down, pack them up and put up all these synthetic tents. Um, and, you know, when you have a product malfunction like that, you have to give a big, um, you have to compensate the client, right? So we just really um, sort of, you know, got our butts handed to us in that one. And there was a really steep learning curve, but 
we're glad it happened now, right? Because we're, if it, that never would have happened, we wouldn't have gotten to this point where now we like understand so much more on the textile side um, as far as why it's so important to be in control of the, the actual application of the waterproofing. And, um, and, you know, that you can pick a really, really amazing canvas, but if, you know, the treatment isn't right, you're still going to have problems, right? So just, it was a, it was a big learning curve and we learned a lot, but that was a, that was a rough day. I think I, I think, I think I had to like excuse myself after talking to the client and go throw up and then like come oh, back. God. Everything was fine. <laughs> oh my God. Good thing I'm married to him. He just like rolls with it. Nothing really bothers him. He's so easygoing. So that's like that. That's where you guys come into into play perfectly. I mean, you you need that yeah. someone to have that level headedness. That's oh my god. That's that is a crazy story. Um, yeah. This, so my next question actually complements it quite a bit. Um, what what advice would you give someone who wanted to start a business? Um, there might be yeah. a lesson there from the from the past story. So burn the boats, man. Jump in, do it. It's hard, but it is so rewarding. And so, um, you know, if you're thinking about it, my advice would be uh, jump in with both feet. So I think that um, I've seen, you know, had we tried to maintain like a, a full-time job while uh, leaning into this, I think I think we would have really spun our wheels a lot. But, you know, when you make the leap and you know that like this is what this is what you're committing to and this is what you're going to see through. Um, I think, I think that's the way to do it to really, that's what we always say, burn the boats, make the decision, take the leap. Yeah. If you can't commit, then just things are going to get a little bit too uncertain or shaky. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Or it's, or you have an out, right? So like when things get hard, (laughs) like, you know, things do get hard, right? And now you're forced to be resilient and step it back up and figure out how to, uh, you know, make lemonade and, um, and move forward. And learn too. I mean, like uh, through so many, um, I mean, this is one of the questions I always ask the the past two I asked you, I always ask everyone who comes on and there, if you're not willing to learn and, you know, be nimble, then it's, it's gonna, it's not all roses. This is not, uh, not all roses. Say that at least. Yeah, totally. And, and be able to shift your perspective on those learning experiences, which is hard Yeah. Um, for someone like me, admittedly, sometimes I'll still be like, I can't believe that, you know, we didn't figure that out until this point. Um, but Jim's always been really great about being able to be grateful for those learning experiences. And so I'm glad that he's, he's shared that with me and I'm continuing to work on, on that. Um, so it looks like we have time for one more question, Caitlin, what is the best part about running Stout Tent? Hmm, I think um, in it's when we get to help our community. So um, it doesn't, you know, there's not always an application for for what we do, um, but when there is, it it feels so rewarding. So um, when COVID hit here in our small town, our kids go to a school that was built a couple hundred years ago. Um, and it's just been slowly added on from like a church one room schoolhouse to what it is now, but it's still pretty small. And the community was really struggling to figure out a way to um, get them back in school safely and have uh, outdoor space. And um, we were able to 
bring some of our big event teepees to set up for uh, outdoor classrooms. And um, that felt great. And we had some local, there was a, a local uh, restaurant that had just started, just opened their doors just before COVID hit. And um, they were also sort of struggling in a yoga studio that, you know, was too small to keep six foot distances. And um, that's been, this year is, even though it's been so challenging and so hard with, um, you know, all of the unknowns um, and, you know, the constant shifting that happens during something like this, um, it was really, really awesome to have, you know, been able to say like, hey, you know what, even if all of this ended today, like, it's been so great to be able to, um, to help our community and experience the outdoors and have this adventure together. So um, yeah, that's, I, I would say that's it. I would say when you get the opportunity to help um, do it, I, I think it, it feels, it feels amazing. Yeah, that does sound incredible. And of course, I mean, you mentioned sending uh, tents over for any kind of relief work too. I mean, you're, you know, you're even uh, helping out overseas, it seems. Yeah, and our veterans too, since Jim's a veteran, we um, have a veterans group that we work with that does um, a lot of um, PTSD sort of centered um, retreats yeah. and um, works with wounded warriors. And, you know, um, yeah, we, it's, uh, yeah, it's a big part of our mission is to just sort of um, give back to all of those things that have gotten us to where we are. Yeah, of course. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on uh, chatting today about your experience and Stout Tent. For anyone listening, where is the best place to find out more about Stout Tent? So our website is www.stouttent.com with two T's. You can reach us there or on social at Stout Tent. And um, yeah, if you have an idea you're kicking around or um, a product application that you want to ask about, give us a ring. We'd love to chat through it with you. Caitlin. Thank you so much for joining me again today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Ready Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.